0: And for the yellowful Vosinus, let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, we're continuing our verse-by-verse study. Last time we reached down to verse 5, and we are going to pick it up there again. 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 5, give everybody a moment to find that. usually around this time of the year we have a bucket full of blankets that we hand out to folks and of course with the COVID regulations that's not something we can do so I hope everybody is warm enough if you need to shift your seat to get away from the wind or a draft or something coming in please feel free to do so there's Armanda's already taking me up on that so please feel free if you need to do that 2nd Corinthians 13 verse 5 Paul writes here examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith, prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. Now, remember the greater context here. The last four or five chapters, Paul has been dealing with the Corinthian complaint about his apostleship. Some other false apostles had come in and put some doubts in the Corinthians' minds about whether or not Paul was a genuine apostle. They were coming to their conclusion based on his outward appearance and the way that he spoke. He wasn't very eloquent, things like that. And now he's saying, guys, if you want proof, first off, my weakness is not a knock against me. That's verses 1 to 4. The weakness that you see in my physical appearance and in my voice and maybe my manner of speaking that is not a con that's a pro that's something for me not against me even Jesus was crucified and there was weakness involved but then also there's a resurrection so he makes a very valid and solid point there then for more proof that he is a genuinely saved God called apostle he says guys look inside yourself look inside yourself how do you know that Jesus Christ is in you Now, an honest Corinthian, he's going to think this through and go, now, how did I get saved? Let's see, a guy showed up and preached the gospel and told me that Jesus died and was buried and rose again and that he did that to pay for my sins. And it's only the blood, only the sacrifice of Jesus Christ which, which involves offering that pure blood to God as an atonement. That's what I trusted to save me from God's wrath. Now, you go to Paul and say, Paul, tell me how you got saved. He said, that's exactly the same thing I believed. I trust that what Jesus did on the cross, three days later when he rose again, that makes him the one and only Savior. He's the only one to pay for sins. He's the only one to rise up again from the dead, which means he's the only one that can give me life. That's it. That's the only answer. So Paul knew if, if he can get them to do an honest search of their own heart, they would come to the right conclusion. You can see verse 6. But I trust that ye shall know that we are not reprobates. Reprobate is a Bible word for unsaved. It, the, the word itself means rejected. So it stands opposite of the word accepted. In Ephesians 1 the Bible says we are accepted in the beloved. You know in the day and age in which we live. We have an acceptance based society. It's all about being accepted by Somebody. The worst thing that can happen to you is to have one person say, I don't like you. We just have to be accepted. If we could just get it in our minds that as Christians, we have been accepted in the beloved, that is the greatest acceptance there is. That trumps all the other acceptance that the world can offer you, doesn't it? So if I can just bring your attention back to verse five, I don't wanna leave off this opportunity. I gave it to you a few weeks back when I covered this. I want to make sure that you've done this self-examination. You are commanded in verse 5, examine yourselves. Have you done that? If I can reword it, but give you the same command, how do you know that you're saved? How do you know that you're saved? Saved is a Bible word. I'll be honest, I was shocked nine years ago when I got to South Africa. I started asking people in town, just everywhere I go I've asked this, are you saved and some people were familiar with that word but it shocked me how many people did not know that word and I don't think it was just an English Afrikaans or English Setswana problem it wasn't that even even I asked some Afrikaners what's the right way to say that and I'll be honest a few people struggled to give me the proper translation and it wasn't their knowledge of Afrikaans it's just not used to that word Right? They knew the word converted or repent or maybe some other words. But the word saved just wasn't very familiar. Are you saved? That's a Bible word. For by grace are you saved through faith. Right? Saved. It's a good, solid Bible word. It means you're rescued. You've been delivered. So what were you rescued from? See, if you're going to say, I'm, I'm biblically saved. Okay, then what biblically was the problem? What did you need to be rescued from? And if, you, if you're not able to answer that, there's a good question you don't fully understand or appreciate, what makes Jesus the Savior? And more specifically, your Savior. I always like to take people to the judgment. If you stand before God at the judgment, and He asked you right now, right this moment, church is over, end of the world, everything exploded, COVID got us all, and we're standing before God. And God says, why should I let you into heaven? What are you telling? I, I hate to use more of a worldly term for this, but what are you betting your eternity on? Right? What, do you, what, what are you hanging on to to say, this will get me through eternity? This will keep me with God forever. What is it? Now, obviously, I'm, I'm not asking you to answer out loud, but I am asking you to examine yourself. See what's in your heart this morning. How would you answer that? Because the way you answer that that dictates where you spend eternity that's it that's it what are you trusting right now so that you can spend eternity with God have you ever trusted him Jesus Christ as your savior salvation is real simple really it's you taking your faith out of what you've done and putting your faith in what he did for you at the cross that's it Now, what would bring a person to do that? First, they have to recognize that despite my best efforts, it will never be enough. My sin demands punishment. Now, I I say this from years and years of experience of dealing with people. The usual reaction that I get when I explain this to somebody, say, your sin demands punishment. God is holy. He cannot let it slide. 99 times out of 100 somebody will fire back with yes but God's forgiving we don't deny that but th- but to focus in on just one of his attributes right to say well I'm I'm gonna just count on God being forgiving then what you're saying is on the day of judgment God's going to forget all the other attributes and say my justice judgment holiness righteousness eh, I, I'll let those things have a day off all I'm going to do is be forgiving. If you're counting on that to say God will wink at it and just let it slide, you're asking God not to be God for a day. It's just not going to happen. And it's not that God wants to hold something against you. Not at all. That's why He sent His Son. So that the problem that exists between you and God can be taken care of. Does that make sense? He has done everything he can to fix the issues that exist between you and him. So now you have an opportunity to look at what's, what is separating you and God. You have to own up to that first. Said, I, I put that separation there. That's my fault. God and I are not on good terms and it's what I've done. Now once you accept that and say I am eternally in danger because of what I've done. Um, Do you see how once you accept that, immediately you start looking for a a lifesaver, right? If you you think of, I'm thinking of a boat now. You know, you're in the boat, you fall out of the boat. Somebody needs to throw that lifesaver to you in the water because you know there's sharks. I love the Afrikaans for sharks, haya. There's... (laughs) There's there's Haya just swimming around in the water and it'll it'll freak you out. There's no way you're getting out of that cold, chilly water. It numbs your body to where you cannot swim. The ocean's too deep. You can't get away from the sharks. You're doomed unless somebody throws you a lifesaver. See? Now imagine you fall out of the out of the boat, you try to swim, your body freezes up, you can feel the sharks brushing up against you, just waiting. And somebody says, hey, hey, buddy, here's a lifesaver. And you go, no, 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 it's fine. I'll, I'll find my way back into the boat. Really? Really? Can, can you imagine? Can you imagine falling out of one boat, treading water? Here comes another boat 15 minutes later, you know, says, hey, here's a lifesaver. You say, no, 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 I'm a member of that other boat. <laughs> I'll wait for that other boat to come back. I, I'm never going to switch boats. <laughs> But you better get into the boat that throws you the lifesaver. And there's only been one person, it's not a church, it's only been one person ever that came, to, that came to earth and offered humanity a legitimate lifesaver that can get you out of that shark-infested shore to bring you to doom water back into the safety of refuge. Only one. And he proved he was the one by dying being buried and rising again no one else has ever done it so verse 5 examine yourselves 2nd Corinthians 13 5 examine yourselves whether you be in the faith Paul writes this to a church now this is good advice for anybody but he writes it to a church so it's very fitting I think this morning that I talk to the church about doing this self-examination how do I know I'm saved so I was raised a Christian there is no such thing that's not in the Bible that's that it really if if you understand what being a Christian actually is the word Christian Acts chapter 11 verse 26 it says the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch Christian was actually a derogatory term for the first few decades that it was used unbelievers were making fun of believers saying you're just little Jesuses, you're little Christ running around which actually is a compliment when you think about it but they meant it as a as a slap in the face but the word was given to disciples right disciples discipleship is a choice regardless of what the Dumani might have said to say well that's god's choice you know god unconditionally chooses eight for kiss no 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 that's your choice that's your choice you, the Bible says as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So God, yes, he takes the first step. He makes the offer to you. He says, Here, I have, here's the lifesaver. Grab on. He can't make you grab on. He wants you to grab on. He's not willing that any should perish, but he's not going to make you do it. Being a disciple of Christ is a choice. And it's a choice every individual has to make. Now, it is proper to say I was raised in a Christian home. Then we're talking about the atmosphere. Your mom and dad were Christians, and they raised you by Christian values and principles, and God willing, by the Bible, which would make it Christian, right? so, So that, by all means, and if you've had that experience, praise God for that. That's something to be very thankful for, not to be taken for granted. Many of us didn't have that. We got started much later in life walking with with the lord now if you had that at some point growing up it should have come clear to you it probably came clear slower than maybe in my story in my story in a matter of weeks somebody presented the gospel and at first i thought no no i'm already okay then i started thinking cuz i've been raised in church but i'd never heard the gospel and then i started thinking about what that preacher said i thought wait a minute no 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 i have never personally chosen to receive christ I have never stopped trusting my good things and started trusting Him. And then just a few weeks, it all clicked. And I went, man, I need to go to Christ and, and ask Him, call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. I need that. So for me, it was kind of all in one go there. But for other people, that, it's a much slower process, especially if you're raised in a gospel preaching type home. So you'll be learning these things a, a little more slowly you know that Jesus died, was buried, rose again. You know the facts of the story, but at some point, you don't have to remember the day. You don't have to have a mile marker on the road of your life that says, that's when I did it. But at some point, it it needs to have come clear in your mind to say, I don't deserve to be with God, but because of what Jesus did, now I I can be with God. At some point, right? Even if it comes slowly, I always think of putting a puzzle together. My wife is an expert puzzle maker. Man, she can put those things together—bam, bam, thousand, two thousand pieces. One week later, phew. <clears throat> it's impressive, and and I'm, I I like watching her do it. She's so relaxed when she's bam, 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 just putting it all together, and there the whole picture just beautiful. Now you let me do that same puzzle. It'll be twenty years. <clears throat> it'll be twenty years. That puzzle's not coming together quickly. And and you won't even know what what the puzzle is supposed to look like, right, when I'm making it, because I go so slowly. I go so slowly. I'll have pieces set all over the table, like, what are you making? I don't know. (laughs) Eventually, it'll all come together. But you know how it is when you're making a puzzle. If you don't know, if you're not the one doing the puzzle, and you just see a loved one doing it or a friend doing it, you don't really know what that puzzle is until enough pieces come together. And you go, oh, I know what that is. I've seen that before something like that and then much the same with the gospel if you're raised around it right the pieces are all on the table but it's not all fitting in the right place and at some point in your life the pieces get rearranged just perfect somebody comes along and says hey have you ever thought about this and this and puts it in a particular order and you go I get it I see this I get it now okay before this I kind of thought that I had to go to church and I had to get baptized and that I had to be a good person so that God would say yes at the judgment let me in oh but now I get it that's that's backwards I can't be a good person I don't want to go to church until I get saved now because I'm saved I want to live for God I like going to church because I want to be around his people and then it all starts to fall into place I'm getting as much as I can out of verse five because it's so important examine yourselves church this is written to a church you should know hell is filled with church members hell is full of them hell is filled to overflowing with religious people if you have any doubts just ask Jesus have any doubts ask John the Baptist he had religious people come to his baptism Pharisees Sadducees all their life seven days a week religion Pharisee I fast twice in the week I give tithes of all that I possess how many church members can say that (laughs) how many church that stands to pray church members don't do that Pharisees did Pharisees did Sadducees did John the Baptist said ye serpents ye generation of vipers who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come what was the first thing he brought to their attention guys you're in trouble you need to deal with it because they didn't think that the wrath of God applied to them. That's why I'm emphasizing to you, make sure that you've dealt with that, that you've acknowledged it, and yes, I'm worthy of it, and then you can go on and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Prove your own selves. Know you not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. He says, now, you should know the answer to this, unless, of course, you are lost. If you've never been saved, then we don't expect you to be able to come to the proper conclusion on this which gives me one more piece of advice i want to pass on to you you ever try to deal with somebody about their soul you hand them a gospel track or just have a conversation with them and uh, sir ma'am can i ask you if you died today are you 100 percent sure that you would go to heaven and they said well, yes yes i think so oh wonderful wonderful have you ever been saved yep been saved great great how'd you get saved well you know i just mean jesus we love each other and, and um, listen I'm not knocking it some people they're genuine that's, that's their answer to that and it's because they've never been told really how to answer that they've, they haven't spent a lot of time around it I say okay wonderful well, uh, tell me uh, what, how did you come to know Jesus oh I've always known him yeah. really always and, and maybe to a certain degree that's true right they grew up hearing it so they know of him and then maybe later it did come a little personal I always like to flip it around like this and say do me a favor If I can't get a clear answer from them, I'll turn it and say, can you please explain to me how I can be saved? Mm -hmm. Let's just pretend for a moment that I have one day to live, and I know 24 hours from now I'm done. What would you tell me so that when I stand before God, I can make it past the judgment? Mm -hmm. What must I do to be saved? That's a verse in the Bible, isn't it? That's Acts chapter 16. What must I do to be saved? and more often than not that really and i mean this in a good way it exposes the gaps in their thinking or in their knowledge because when they try to explain to somebody else how jesus christ is in you that's where it all seems to to fail so verse six we've talked about already but let's read it again but i trust that you shall know that we are not reprobates paul says i I think you guys have the necessary tools you have the resources you have the knowledge, and you even have the Savior deep down in you. You guys can come to the right conclusion. No doubt, as a whole, there were some Corinthians that weren't saved. But Paul knew that, right? In any church, in any local church, you can count on that. If you got 100 people. At least a handful of them are probably not saved. Now, I'm just working the numbers. I'm not talking, you know, by personal knowledge. That's just the general truth. But Paul knows as a a whole, this church can come to the right conclusion. I trust you'll know. I trust you'll know. But here's what they needed to do. Rather than talking to these false apostles, these other men that speak religious but have no final authority other than themselves, he says, guys, number one, verses one to four, look at Jesus, compare Jesus to me. Right? If you want proof that, G, that Paul is a follower of Jesus, then look at Jesus. Stop listening to the false apostle. Stop listening to the 25 other preachers that you looked up this week on YouTube and look at Jesus and say, let's make that comparison. Second, he says, look at Jesus Christ in you. Rather than asking the false apostles, go back and say, how do I know I have a relationship with Jesus? Now, if, if the Corinthians use that as their standard, Jesus Christ himself and what he went through and how they came to a personal walk with God, Paul says, I trust that you'll come to the right conclusion if, if you leave these other false apostles out and just use these proofs that I've given you. Verse seven, he says, now I pray to God that you do no more, or do no evil, sorry. I pray to God, that you do no evil that's a very blanket type prayer request a very general thing doesn't that fit any bad thing right i mean and this is an appropriate thing paul says i don't want you guys caught up in anything evil now we, we would expect such a statement but paul adds on to that not that we should appear approved but that ye should do that which is honest though we be as reprobates now, i'd like to address the last part of that verse in in some detail but let's look in the middle here first not that we should appear approved Paul says guys I want you to live right I want you to walk with God I want you to have good doctrine but this isn't for my benefit I'm not wanting you guys to be a good church so that I can go around the country and other countries and brag and say hey look at this great church that I helped and you know I established that he says that's not the point at all now this speaks actually this is the part of the lesson where I'm talking to myself more than anything because if I want to be in the pulpit, I need to be here to help you. I don't want you to come here so you can help me. Does that make sense? This 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 is we're not here to drum up membership and fill the seats so that it's impressive to everybody and go, oh, wow, look at that's a full car park and a full church and those it's not for the the outward show of it. Paul's desire, and by God's grace I want to have the same desire. I want you to live honestly. I like the word he uses here, not evil. Now, what's the opposite of evil? We would think good. He says, not evil, but honestly. I like that contra- contradistinction that he's, he's put in there. I want you to live right. I want, you to live, I want you to live that way for the right reasons. I want you to live honest. Now, let me give you a few ideas on what he means by living honestly. You shouldn't have to lie about where you were last night. Somebody says, hey, man, how was your Saturday evening? It was genuinely good. Oh, yeah, what'd you do? Oh, just, you know, just here and there. Is it? Is that a new restaurant in town? Yeah, I went to here and there. What'd you do? Oh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Didn't we all? (laughs) Right? I mean... (laughs) (laughs) i also did that that says nothing not listen you don't have to share all the intimate private details of your life and what goes on i am speaking to doing things that you're ashamed of things that you don't want to speak about in the daytime paul says guys i really my prayer is that you avoid all the evil and live honestly do things say things Believe things, listen to things, participate in things, walk with people that you're not ashamed to walk with. Live a life that's worthy of the light. We're children of the light, not of the darkness. We shouldn't have to sneak around in the darkness. I think that has something to do with living honestly, doesn't it? You shouldn't have to lie about anything you've done. Not to say you have to walk around yelling out what you've done, but you shouldn't have to lie about it when you're asked i'll tell you another thing if you're going to live honestly you don't need to put on a good sunday morning show Mm -hmm. christianity should not be something hanging in your closet and each morning you wake up and put it on Mm -hmm. you just are you just are that way you're not you see there's there's a wolf in sheep's clothing Mm -hmm. right so when i say you have it hanging in your closet that's a biblical thought sheep's clothing We shouldn't be putting that on. The way that you walk into church, the attitude you have coming into church on a Sunday morning, let that be the same attitude you have Monday when you go to work. I hope that when you come to church, you say, man, I'm here to meet with God. I'm here to please God, here to worship God, here to do something for God. I'm here to try to be a blessing to the people around me. When you come to church, that is part of it. Let us do away with the idea that coming to church is just hearing a sermon and then leaving. That you can get from YouTube. Strangely enough, when Jesus came to the earth, he didn't establish a YouTube church. There's a reason for that. Now listen, it's, with what the world's recently gone through, it's become a necessary evil. <laughs> and there's no shame if that was the only option you had, right? I don't say that to shame anybody for that. You, you do it as much as you can but for a lot of people it became a crutch and I, we've heard from people well you know at least I, I just get my youtube sermon well good if that's if that was the only thing you're supposed to get is just a sermon then okay that may, that you know, ticks the box there's so much more to come into church so much more we need each other it's good that you're here it's a blessing that you're here it's wonderful to have the fellowship of the saints the accountability that we offer each other the encouragement the support the exhortation so many things that it that it does should do for you now when you wake up tomorrow morning you still have those same needs say I'm going to work okay but you can still go to work and say today I want to please God with this I'm still the same Christian that I was yesterday. I'm still hungry and thirsty for God's touch, for God's presence. I want to hear from God even while I'm at work. I remember shortly after I got saved, I'd sit there at the desk and I'd have my earphones, you know, headphones on. I was listening to Christian music and I'm typing away and working on the computer. Man, a song would come on, just grip my heart. And I would start to maybe shed a tear or two. And people walk by, Mike, you okay? And I just take the headphones down for a second and say, I'm, I'm just having a moment with God. and Put my headphones right back on. Just keep <laughs> typing. What, why is it we limit that to Sunday morning at, you know, the Holy Spirit's gonna start working about 10.30? <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it's strange how we, we, and I say we, I think we all kind of have to guard ourselves against falling into that trap. We just kind of put God in that little box. And we end up, you know, let's do the God thing on Sunday. Man, if you're... If you're saved live honestly if if this is how you really feel about God if this is how much you love him then love him like this all week long don't let it be a show and maybe this last thing I want to say is the more I thought about it this might be exactly what Paul's point was maybe this is more of a summary of the other two things I just said you shouldn't have to lie about what you've been doing and where you've been don't let it be a show let it be real real. Don't, don't don't talk spiritual if you're not Live according to the profession of your faith. And to break that down even farther, let your yea be yea. I, I, the more I think about it, I think that's what Paul's getting at. Let your yea be yea. Matter of fact, can I ask you to hold this? Just flip over to James 5. I, every time I think about such a statement, this passage comes to mind. James 5, let's get verse number 12. some people have said that the book of james is the proverbs of the new testament because there's so much practical applicable wisdom and knowledge in this book and i, I, I do agree with that james 5 verse 12 james writes but help me with the next three words james five twelve, but what's the next word above, above. next word all. all and the next word things, things. above all things wow whatever he's about to say that's got to be important now again if you're familiar with the book of James and what he's had to say already he's he's had to say a lot of things about you know how the tongue is used he had some things to say about anger being swift to hear slow to speak slow to wrath he had some things to say about filthy language right an unbridled tongue James one he had some things to say about patience when you're going through problems lots of important virtues and then he says above all things man that That perks my ears up. Okay, what is it? Above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath. So when when you say something, you shouldn't have to say, I swear by heaven and earth. I call upon heaven and earth as witness against me. Why do you need something that big to back up your word? Is your word that weak? Can we not trust what you're saying that you have to call on something that big? Your promise should be that big. When you say something, we should take it that seriously. So that's what he goes on to say. But let your yea be yea and your nay, nay, lest you fall into condemnation. People are going to start figuring out that you don't mean what you say and that will bring condemnation on you because we can't take you seriously. You say one thing, but you live a completely different way. That's not being honest. That's disingenuous, right? Opposite of genuine, disingenuous, you said this and you you when you're at church you kind of sound like you're serious but then when i see you monday to saturday there's a different person now coming back to second corinthians 13 verse 7 let's spend the, the last few minutes today talking about the end of that verse paul says not that we should appear approved but that you should do that which is honest though we be as reprobates Though we be, we, Paul included, Corinthians included, though we be as reprobates. Didn't he just say in verse 6, we are not reprobates? Didn't he say that? And then at the end of verse 7, though we be as reprobates. What are those two little words I've taught you folks to look for in your Bibles? Like and as. There it is. I'm telling you, every time it pops up, you got to pay close attention. Verse 6, we're not reprobates. Verse 7, but we are as reprobates. So what's the difference? Well, my standing with God, I am justified. I'm saved. I'm born again. That's my standing. That cannot change. But that's on the inside. On the outside, see, I, I am saved. That's an inward truth. On the outside, I'm a sinner. I'm still a sinner. Every saved person in this room, you are a saved sinner. Sinner. And exactly what makes a lost person lost, right? That sinful nature existing in them, you still have that. The difference is you have the atoning work of Christ that covers that sinful nature. That is there to, let's say, counteract it so that you are no longer a slave to that sinful nature. You now have the Holy Spirit living inside of you and you can overcome the sinful nature that's in you. But just because you're saved doesn't mean you no longer have a sin problem. You just have a very smart way of dealing with the sin problem. You can overcome it. You can change. You, can spend it. you will spend eternity with God. But that doesn't change the fact that we be as reprobates. So he's saying, guys, I, I, my prayer is that you don't live evil, but that you live honest. Even though we all still have a sinful nature, you can live honestly. Now, for the lost crowd, for the worldly crowd, we, we know that they're going to struggle with sin. They have no way to overcome it. It's going to be an ongoing problem until it leads to their eternal demise. And that should break our hearts. Paul's saying, guys, even though we still struggle with sin, we can live honestly. Now... I hear this all the time. Somebody says, you know, if you're saved, you can't do this. If you're saved, there's no way you can commit this sin. And and this is a common type of question. So, Brother Mike, if someone's saved, can they do that? Now, let's change the question. If somebody's saved, should they do that? Well, no, but if we're being honest, nobody should do any sin. (laughs) I mean, that's the ideal. But if you're going to ask the question as to what a person is capable of, Now, hold on to your chairs because you don't hear this much in pulpits. A saved person is capable of any sin. Now, should he do it? Obviously not, right? Is it easy for him to do it? No, no, But can he do it? Well, yes, it is possible. He is capable. Say, but no, brother Mike, if you're saved, then Jesus Christ is in you, then you're gonna overcome sin. You're gonna be a new person. Old things are passed away. All things become new. Here's what happens. People sit around in an air-conditioned office with a bunch of theologians making up rules for the Christian life and say, but if you're saved, then it's a guarantee. You're gonna overcome all your sin. You're gonna stop all your bad habits. All you're gonna do is bear good fruit. That's what a real Christian looks like. That comes from air-conditioned theologian offices. When you step out of that office into the real world, and go, okay, here, let's see if this theory actually works in the real world, then it all crumbles. Then it all crumbles. Because if you're going to be real about it, let's be honest, folks, you're still a sinner, <laughs> just like me. We still struggle with our sinful natures. Amen. Amen. That's true. He said, no, no, I'm saved. Yes, and you <laughs> live honest. <laughs> Be honest this morning. Go, yeah, and I'm still a sinner. Now, lest that sounds kind of uh, too much to, to, to believe. Look at First Timothy. Let me show you a few verses. First Timothy chapter one. On the outside I look like any other reprobate right Paul said we're not reprobates but we be as reprobates why because if you stand me next to some lost guy who's a businessman he can also wear a suit and comb his hair and glasses and you know uh, talking full sentences and I mean he he could do the whole thing right couldn't he do that you you can you can be a clergyman you can enter in the priesthood or into the pastorate you can go to theological school you can get a a seminary education and be lost right so you stand those two guys next to each other on the outside they look the same and that's Paul's point inwardly I'm not reprobate I'm saved but I'd be as a reprobate because if you just looked at us on the outside we'd look just the same because on the outside listen I'm crucified with Christ but that's a spiritual truth physically i'm still me all the temptations are still there i just have a way to deal with the temptation now first timothy 1 verse 15 paul writes this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that christ jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom i was chief is that what it says look at it careful is that what it says He doesn't say, I was chief. He said, I am chief. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but if you're saved, then you don't, you don't what? You don't what? So you can't do the same things that you used to do. You can. You can. You shouldn't. But you can. Paul said, even though I'm saved, I still struggle. Look at Galatians 5. Now, I don't read 1 Timothy and think, yep, Paul was still living purposely Inhabitual sin I, That's not what he's trying to say Paul's just being honest That even though I'm saved And by the time he wrote First Timothy He'd been saved for about 25 years Maybe the greatest Christian that ever lived An apostle who's been all over God's earth At that point The then known earth Starting churches And he says yep I, I struggle with sin just as much now More than ever Because he's, he's learning as he goes Just how great Christ is And how sad he is by himself aside from Christ he's nothing but the chief of sinners Galatians 5 in verse 17 Paul says for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would so there's part of him that is not reprobate but there's a part of him that is do you see it there save man writing to save people and he says guys you're going to have an internal struggle it's gonna, it's gonna be rough. You're not gonna always be able to put into practice everything that you know you should do. You should try. You should strive for that. You should want to do that. It should be hard for you not to do that. But is it possible that a Christian can sin? Yes. But he or she should do everything they can not to. Uh, one more place. Get Romans seven. Romans seven. Romans 7, let's get verse 14. We'll finish up here. Romans 7, verse 14. Paul writes, For we know that. For we know that the law is spiritual. But I, I get the next word. Am. I am carnal, sold under sin. Go, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. Paul, when he's writing this, he's saved man. Right? He's purchased by the blood of Christ. So how can he also say, I'm sold under sin? This has actually led some preachers to say Romans chapter... I don't know how they get this. Romans 7, they say Paul wrote this when he was lost. Romans 1 to 6, Romans 8 to 16, he was saved. But Romans 7, he was lost. <laughs> Why would Paul think to sit down and write this when he was lost? That makes no sense. But they're trying to figure out how... Paul in the present tense can say I am carnal I am now carnal I'm sold under sin right now how can a saved man say that you know why you know why they struggle because they sat in the air-conditioned theological office making up rules for the Christian life that don't work in reality (laughs) it has nothing to do with reality Paul was living it walking with God and then the Holy Spirit says sit down and write about what you know sit down about and write about reality And when you read the Bible and actually try to live it out, you'll see just how much truth there is all over these verses. This fits how life really is. You're saved, but there's a part of you that's not. Your soul is saved. Your spirit's born again. The flesh has issues. You'll see that here. Verse 15, for that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. Now, see, how does that fit with that often said Chris, Christian little mantra? Well, if you're saved, you just can't do those things. You can't live in a biture. You shouldn't, but you can, right? Let's just say you're capable. Verse 16, if then I do that, which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. It's not God's command. That's the problem. I'm the problem. Verse 17, now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me so the I that do it right? the I that's the part that's not reprobate he saved but sin that dwells in me in that body that's the part that's as reprobate verse 18 for I know that in me that is in my flesh in my flesh he, he rightly divides in my flesh dwelleth no good thing for to will is present with me but how to perform that which is good I find not not past tense right now greatest Christian ever It says, I struggle with sin. Verse 19, this will be on my tombstone one day. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. (laughs) That's not my life verse, but I've often thought it would would be fitting. (laughs) Verse 20, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. And he goes on and presents pretty much the same thing for the rest of the chapter. I'm just giving you those verses so that you can see that yes we are not reprobate we are saved we're born again we're joined to the lord and that's an eternal truth but there's a part of us that still has issues and nobody should use that biblical truth to justify their sin say well you know we're all sinners so i'm just gonna you know these things are gonna happen so no big deal you know we we can sin doesn't mean you should right you should also acknowledge that now that you're saved listen you have the holy spirit living inside of you You know why it's so much more difficult for a Christian to sin? Because when you sin, you grieve the Holy Ghost. If you're saved and you, let's say it this way, if you profess to be saved and you can go on doing the same sinful things you've always done and it doesn't bother you, I got serious doubts whether or not you're really saved. Somebody may have told you you're saved, but the Holy Spirit living inside is not going to let you get away with that with peace in your heart. You're going to feel that grief. You cannot despise the Savior and feel okay with that. So I know Jesus died for me, but you know, I'm just going to keep doing this sin anyway. That's not how a Christian talks. If you're saved, you know that one day you're going to stand before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ. You cannot sin with a clear conscience and say, yeah, no big deal. It is a big deal, right? So that's why I say if you're saved, it's much more difficult to sin, even though you're still capable of it. But my goodness, we have the massive advantage living within To overcome any sin that goes on in our life amen we'll stop there for this morning let's all stand have a word of prayer let you guys fellowship father thank you this morning for allowing us to see some very important biblical truths i do pray that you'd help everyone here myself included to examine our hearts we want to know that jesus is in us and lord help us to live honestly Lord, we know that this old, reprobate nature is still there, but God, help us to live according to that wonderful truth. We have been raised together with you. We want to walk in newness of life. Bless the fellowship and the service to come. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys, feel free. You can step around outside, get some fresh air, and we'll start again.